There's always hope. Never, never lose hope, my friends. We've got to hope because what do we have? What other alternative? And we saw today's Mass, how the work, the great work of God is his mercy and his pardon. His greatest work, as we, tell, we know from divine mercy. As he said to St. Faustina, neither angel nor man will be able to fathom my mercy for all eternity. Let's hope we have a lot of surprises in heaven for the good. I hope we don't have any negative surprises, people we expect to be there and are not there. Could happen. Oh, I thought they'd be saved, but sometimes they're not. As you know, some people, they look good on the outside, but who knows? Only God can read the heart. So never lose hope that a person is, can be saved. And prayer, do wonders. I was going to tell you this little story at, in, during the homily, but I forgot it, so now it just popped into my head. Tell them the story of King Louis. King St. Louis, the great king of France in the 13th century, a Franciscan tertiary, and he was patron of Franciscan tertiaries, the male part, was fighting the Muslims and he needed money. So we went to his council, his aides, and he said, what should we do? And one of them said, let's put a tax on the people. And he said, oh no, oh no, no taxes on the people. I fear an old lady's prayer more than I fear all the Muslim hordes. I hope you understood that. One old lady or one old man or young man or young whatever, one prayer from a soul to God asking for justice is more powerful than all the Muslims and all the communists and all the, all the political elites in this whole world. One prayer raised to God to do me justice against my adversaries. Deliver me from evil. We say that every day. I've never said that as earnestly as I've been doing lately, telling the Lord to deliver us from the evil people who are running our world. And I kid you not. Running and ruining God's world. But just don't worry. God will be patient only to a certain time. And they say when the natural falls through and we cannot do much more with, with the, all the work of man, then God would step in. And he's only gonna allow these evil people like Hitler and Stalin and the other people to go so far. And then that's it. In fact, he only allows them to go so far as I've been telling you because of our sins. If we had stopped sinning, because it's all a punishment for sin. So don't tell me I'm a nice person and I'm doing this and doing that. You're not a nice person. You're causing all the trouble in the world. Your sins in the, your divorce, marriage that you're not allowed, or your, con your contraception, or you're living with your partner or whoever else you're living with, that you're not a nice person. You're causing all the trouble. Your contraception, your abortions, your sins, your sins. That's why we have all the trouble. Our lady said to stop sinning. Stop offending God because he's too much offended by sin. And what have we done? We're worse than we ever were at Fatima. I would say 10, maybe 100 times worse. Now we have abortion legal. Contraception is being rammed down our throats. Right? We have to pay for contraception. No way, Jose, as we used to say in Brooklyn. No way, Jose, no way. Not gonna do it, that's it. You've gone too far. Let's pray that our leaders get strong, fortitude, hunger and thirst for justice, and ask God to raise up strong bishops who will fight these people, like Bishop von Galen in Germany, the, the Lion of Munster, of Munich. He stood up to Hitler. So he's now blessed von Galen. I forget his first name, but he was a great a great bishop, somebody gave me the sermon that he said in Munich, 
during the rise of Hitler. Very, very powerful. I think it cost him his life. I'm pretty sure he was martyred. So we have to stand up and speak out. And so tell those people who say, I'm a nice person. Well, let's see, are you going to church? No, I don't believe in it. You're causing all the trouble. You are. And you're responsible for Obama. Excuse me. Huh? <laughs> We're, our wicked leaders are a punishment from God. Right? So we can pray now. We won't get a wicked leader again. Let's hope so in November. Pray. Pray. There's a lot of people who feel that, that we won't get a leader. So if we pray, we won't get a bad leader. Right? So we hope. But this has all, by the way, been foretold. Our Lady at Fatima said Russia would spread her errors. All right, there'd be a second world war if men didn't come back. The Holy Father would have much to suffer. The good would be martyred. The good would be martyred, and so on. Akita said if men don't return, two-thirds of the world will be destroyed. Two-thirds of the world. And she said the living, the living will envy the dead. The living will envy the dead. We could have that happen. We're not out of this yet. We could have a great chastisement. So we have to pray. Of course, if the great chastisement comes and we suffer and we die, then we go to heaven. That's why we've got to get everybody back into the, into the ark, as it were. The ark of the covenant. The ark, of course, is another. The new Noah's ark is Our Lady get back into the ark of Mary. All right, how bad are we today, my dear friends? Well, it hasn't been just coming just overnight. It's been building up. It's been really 400 years of it, my dear friends. We've had 400 years of, of diabolical disorientation, to use the words of Sister Lucia. She didn't go back that far, but I am. And there's a Catholic prophecy by Bartholomew Holzgruber that says, after this, the end times, we will have the great era of peace. We may not see it, but I think some of us will. I don't think it's going to be long forthcoming. God will, will restore everything, and the church will, grow, will be in its greatest glory. This is the age of Mary. It will be the sixth age of man, according to Blessed Bartholomew Hosgruber. You can do a Google search on Catholic prophecy and look it up. The sixth age of man, where we have the greatest saints, as de Montfort says, the greatest number of vocations, and the glory of the church. The glory of the church. It will be restored after God purifies the world. I think we're going to have to be purified first. There's a lot of stuff on that purification, too, if you want to read it. All right? Getting back to what the popes have been telling for a long time. Pope Pius X, in the early part of the 20th century. It is necessary by every means and at this price of every effort to uproot entirely this monstrous and detestable iniquity proper to the times we are living and through which man substitutes himself for God. Pope Pius X, continuing, and St. Pius X, referring to the text we have just com commented on, goes so far as to state that the Apostle's prophecy has perhaps begun to be fulfilled in our century. Truly, whoever ponders these things must necessarily and firmly fear whether such a perversion of minds is not the sign announcing at the beginning of the last times, and that the son of perdition spoken of by the apostle, Second Thessalonians, might already be living in this earth. Right, he was a little early, I think, but, all right, but he certainly was afraid. Okay? Now this, according to the same apostle, is the character proper to the Antichrist. Man with unspeakable temerity, has usurped the place of the Creator, lifting himself above everything that bears the name of God. It has reached such a point that being powerless to completely extinguish in himself the notion of God, he nevertheless shakes off the yoke of his majesty and dedicates 
the visible world to himself in the guise of the temple where he pretends to receive the adoration of his own kind. Right? As you know from Thessalonians, he sits in the temple of God and gives himself out as if he were God. That could happen in our time, the Antichrist. I never thought I'd see it, but I was hoping that it wouldn't be now. But it could. Right? Is Obama the Antichrist? No. Somebody said, no, he's not smart enough. <laughs> but is he evil? Sorry to say. Anybody promoting abortion is evil to the extent that he is. The diabolical wave sweeping this world. And on April 13th, 1971, Sister Lucy wrote to her Salesian nephew, I see by your letter that you are preoccupied by the disorientation of our time. It is indeed sad that so many persons let themselves be dominated by the diabolical wave sweeping over the world and that they are blinded to the point of being incapable of seeing error. Their principal fault is that they have abandoned prayer. Thus they have left God, and without God they have nothing. Without me you can do nothing. The devil is very clever and looks for our weak points so as to attack us. If we are not diligent and attentive in obtaining strength from God, we will fall, for our times are very evil and we are weak. Only the strength of God can keep us standing. Continuing. She talked about the diabolical disorientation, invading the world. She is merely repeating a theme the third, of the third secret without saying so. People must recite the rosary every day. Our Lady repeated this in all her apparitions, as if to arm us in advance against these times of diabolical disorientation so that we would not let ourselves be fooled by false doctrines, and that through prayer the elevation of our soul to God would not be diminished. This is a diabolical disorientation, invading the world and misleading souls. It is necessary to stand up to it, and for this purpose you can use what I tell you here, but as something coming from you without saying my name. And, stay, and staying, in my, say, staying in my place, I pray for you and for all those who work for you. I don't know if you saw that little bit of explanation. And she's talking there about the diabolical disorientation. She's telling her nephew, don't say I said this. And what does the commentator say? Invading the world, she is merely repeating a theme of the third secret without saying so. Or as the Pope has already said, if you want to know the third secret of Fatima, just look around at the world. We see it every day. There it is. The loss of faith and the evil that's in the world. Continuing the diabolical disorientation, a long development follows on devotion to the rosary and so on. Then Sister Lucia concludes, this is why the devil has waged such a war against it. And the worst is that he has succeeded in leading into error and deceiving souls, having a heavy responsibility through the place which they occupy. They are blind men guiding other blind men. I believe she's talking about some bishops, some theologians and so on and so on. Pope Pius XII, in a letter, February 11, 1949. We are overwhelmed with sadness and anguish, seeing that the wickedness of perverse men has reached a degree, a degree of impiety that is unbelievable and absolutely unknown in other times. He also said at another time, the sin of our time is that there is no sin. I'm a good person. I'm a nice guy. No, you are not a nice guy. You're not a good person because you're not keeping the faith. You're a wretch and you're gonna to go to hell if you don't wake up. Sorry. Tell them, nice guys finish last. I hope my friend's here, but I don't think he is. He didn't hear me the other, I was gonna say it last night. I saw him here last night. The guy said I'd talk about the Dodgers. 
Leo de Rocha, I never thought I'd fit, quote Leo de Rocha. It just popped into my head. Leo, they called him Leo the Lip. He should have been, a, he's a French, probably French Canadian. I think my French would give him, instead of Leo de Rocha, he should have been Leo de Rocher, because that's what it is in French, something like that. It's better than de Rocha, right? That's what we say about it. Leo de Rocha, he's, what does he know? He's no manager, whatever. Nice guys finish last. And that means the first shall be last. Will they save their souls? I'm not so sure. They will not save their souls if they continue what they're doing, if they continue in their ignorance and sin. Only with your prayers for your children, for your relatives, for members of the parish here, and for our world will souls be saved. That's why we gotta work. And then, as St. Francis told the brothers, the preachers think they're saving souls, but it's no, it's the friars in the monasteries, in the hermitages, who are saving the souls by their prayers. And somebody said, well, why doesn't somebody show these friars that they're saving souls? And St. Francis says, it would make them too proud. If you saw all the souls that you were saying with your prayers, remember the old lady praying, all right, that I just talked to you about. I fear the prayers of one old lady. So we may have a couple of old ladies and old men here, even though you look very young to me. Everybody's looking young these days to me nowadays. Especially when I look at the mirror and I look at me, who's this old man I see in front of me? Never thought I'd reach the age I'm reaching. It's unbelievable. I thought 60 was old when I was a kid. Now it's, so we're, we're not getting older, we're getting better, as they say. And we're getting closer to heaven. So therefore, we better wake up and do a little more while we can, because as St. Francis says, up to now we have done nothing. We must begin today, today, and do all we can, because our world is falling apart, as I will show you. I hope to show you, I've already showed you. We just heard from the popes, never, 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 Pope Pius XII again, we are overwhelmed with sadness and anguish, seeing that the wickedness of perverse men has reached a degree of impiety that is unbelievable and absolutely unknown in other times. Unbelievable and unknown in other times. That was 1949. Those were the good old days. And yet it was so wicked and evil. So my friends, you know, we gotta work. So, Today we're talking about the loss of faith. I've already started. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart, with thy whole soul, and with thy whole mind. Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. If anyone love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. That's grace, that's what we talked about. So we must love God with our whole heart. That means to prefer nothing to God. We can prefer nothing, we can do, prefer nothing to God. If somebody wants us to do evil, we cannot do it. Because we honor God, we obey God. Love with our whole mind. We think only of God whenever we can. We told you about the prayer of recollection. God is there in our soul. We love with our whole soul by our will, by not sinning. I will not do this. That's how you love God with your whole soul. Sin is a betrayal of the supernatural faith in God. We don't believe in him, we believe in ourselves. So when you commit a sin, you don't believe in God, you believe in self. I want what I want when I want it. We don't, can't do that, we gotta do what God wants. Supernatural faith. Our assent to all that God has revealed through the church, we must believe. For the faithful cannot doubt that those things which God, who is truth itself, is the author. We cannot doubt anything in the Catholic Church. There's no such thing as dissent. In 1968, when Humani Vitae came out, 500 theologians in America put their names to a petition that they dissented against humanae vitae. They did, did not think that the Pope had a right 
to say what he said, that all marital acts must be open to life. They believed in contraception. That was the set, 500 names. I wonder where those main people are. I know one of the dissenters, the last 30 years of his life, he had cancer of the throat. Great, great moral theologian, one of the best, had cancer of the throat. I hope he realizes that was a blessing. And I, the same thing happened to a priest in my neighborhood who told my sister that you could contracept, it was all right. The last years of his life, he also had some sort of cancer in his throat. Now, I'm not saying that everything that happens like that is, a, is cause for God, a punishment, but sometimes. But if they use it well, God still loves them. And that's why sometimes he has to slap us down to wake us up, all right? Yesterday I had a little, you just saw me limping a little bit. I feel a little handicapped today. I had a little, I twisted my ankle as I fell to the ground. <laughs> don't ask me how it happened. I don't even know, but I did fall and I hurt my ankle a little bit. That's why I can't genuflect. So why did God do that to me? Is he punishing me? I don't know. Maybe he's making me suffer a little bit to get some graces for you. Maybe it's a punishment for, maybe I was getting a little too proud. So now I can't even genuflect. I can't even walk a little bit. I certainly can't run, which I love to do. I wouldn't be able to play tennis, which I also love to do. Not that I do it here, but I think it's getting better. But God does that to us sometimes, to wake us up, show us how weak we are. Sometimes it's very good. And maybe that's the only thing that will bring us back. All right? So suffering in the Catholic sense is a blessing. As I told you before, if we, St. Louis, St. Rose of Lima said, if we understood the value of suffering and the scales that suffering is weighed, we would beg for the suffering. Not for the pleasure. Pleasure won't get you to heaven. As St. Thomas More said to his daughter, you won't get to heaven in a feather bed. Pleasure won't get you to heaven. You're not going to get to heaven in your feather beds. All right? You've got to do penance. Penance. St. Francis preached penance, and he lived penanced. That's why he was such a great saint. We'll talk about that tonight at the Transitus. So we see people who have lost their faith. Right? They've lost their faith. Right? Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church has the truth. The Catholic church, the gates of hell. This doesn't, the gates of hell, by the way, in, the, in this Psalms, if you read, say, Robert Bellarmine, where he talks, where one of the Psalms talks about the gates of hell, it's not exactly the gates of hell. That's, that's okay. But in the, in the Jewish place, the gates is a place where they would all meet. They would all congregate at the gates. So when they use the word gates, it really means a place where so many are congregating, meeting, etc. Okay? So the gates of hell, which doesn't mean literally the gates, you know, the iron gates, but it means all the devils in hell. All the devils there, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we need faith. We don't have to, we have, we don't understand everything with faith. And that's why St. Anselm tells us it's faith, seeking understanding. You must first believe. You bow your head if you don't understand and say, I believe. Remember what Jesus told Thomas, blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. Right? Our faith is filled with mysteries. We don't understand them. Our puny mind cannot understand the Trinity, cannot understand the Eucharist. How can you do that? You can't. You just bow your head and say, I believe. I don't understand, but I believe. Faith first, faith first. Faith seeking understanding, as Saint Anselm tells us. Without faith, it is impossible to believe. What was the big sin of Adam and Eve? Yes, it was disobedience, 
but it was really, they didn't believe. When they were told of every tree of paradise thou shalt eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. For in what day thou shalt eat of that of it, thou shalt die the death. They didn't believe. They listened to the tempter. Adam and Eve did not believe. People today do, today do not believe. I'm not hurting anybody, I'm a good person. They don't believe you have to go to mass, all right? Death came through the forbidden fruit. I was reading an article just recently and they came across something I had not read in a long time. And we don't realize how important it is in the Catholic faith to believe. If you do not believe something in the Catholic faith, or as they say, my dear friends, cafeteria Catholics, I take from this, I take from that, I take from that. I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't want this, I want this, I, don't wa I want this, I want that. If you do that, you are a cafeteria Catholic and you will go to hell. That's simple. Cafeteria Catholics will be eating their lunch in hell. They can have their breakfast here, but their lunch is gonna be in hell. Sorry to say, but I'd rather tell you now, have you hate me? and maybe think about it, because that's where they're going. How do I know? Because I'm gonna read you what Thomas Aquinas says. And when Thomas Aquinas says, you pop up, you listen with your ears, all right? Years ago, they had a, a, an ad on television for somebody who was a stockbroker, and E.L. Hubbard or something like that said something, and everybody was going, you know. If he says something, you gotta all listen. Well, let me tell you, when Thomas Aquinas says something, you better listen, because he is the great doctor of the church for spirit for dogmatic theology. He, along, of course, with, God, with Augustine and St. Bonaventure. But Thomas Aquinas is, is, is excellent. He said, okay, St. Thomas, just as mortal sin is contrary to charity, so is disbelief in one article of faith contrary to faith. Now, charity does not remain in a man after one mortal sin. Therefore, neither does faith after man disbelieves in one article. Faith does not remain in you if you do not believe in even one article. Oh, I don't believe that. I don't believe the church. You don't believe the church. Don't make me laugh. Who are you? You're nobody. You're a nothing. So am I. Nobody. You don't believe in the church. 2,000 years of saints and councils. And you come along in, 19, in the, this century and you say, I don't believe in the church. I think you can contracept. Don't be so foolish. All right? Like the man, I don't believe in God. Don't be a fool. All right? Therefore, neither does faith after a man disbelieves one article. Therefore, it is clear that such a heretic with regard to one article has no faith in the other articles, but only a kind of opinion in accordance with his own will. Devastating. That is a knockout punch. Par excellence. I've never heard that in my life. Right? That's a knockout punch. Do you realize what I just said? So these people you know who go, who, who are Catholics and they don't believe in something and they think some priest is off the wall or over the top because he's preaching the truth, they are the ones who are fools. Here is Thomas Aquinas, the great Thomas Aquinas, for whom, or from whom, I took my middle name, George Thomas. I love Thomas Aquinas. I didn't know how, why I took it back in, when I was a 12-year-old kid for confirmation, a 10-year-old kid. I just had the Dominicans and they talked about Thomas Aquinas and I says, I like that name, Thomas, George Thomas. I don't use it too much because it's now it's George Mary. We all marry in the Friars of the Immaculate. My friends, there it is. And with just a little par another commentary on it. If a Catholic withholds belief in one point of divinely revealed truth, the consequence is the total and complete loss of the theological virtue of faith. 
Just as one mortal sin destroys all supernatural charity from the soul, so too the rejection of a single divinely revealed doctrine which destroys all supernatural faith. You have lost your faith. And as St. Paul says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm going to read Thomas Aquinas once more. Repetition is the mother of all learning. And maybe if you didn't hear me the first time, you'll hear me now. And of course, we have these tapes on online. They're on the website of the parish. So you can listen to this all day long, as much as you like. I don't know why you'd want to listen to my voice, but who knows? There it is, Thomas Aquinas. Just as one mortal sin is contrary to charity, so is disbelief in one article of faith contrary to faith. Now, charity does not remain in a man after one mortal sin. We told you about that with mortal sin. You no longer have supernatural charity in, in your soul. You're dead. I think I told you that. Therefore, neither does faith after a man disbelieves in one article. Therefore, it is clear that such a heretic with regard to one article has no faith in the other articles, but only a kind of opinion in accordance with his own will. He has lost his faith. Because you don't believe in one article, one article of faith, you've lost your article in everything else. Right? Then continuing, again, this is disorder, disorder, not Thomas, but same thing. The denial of a single article of faith results in a complete loss of supernatural faith. And if faith is lost, salvation is not attainable, since without faith it's impossible to please God, from Hebrews. Impossible to please God without faith, if you have no faith. So what about these people? What about Protestants who don't believe in what the church teaches? Remember the Lambeth Congress for Anglicans said that you could contracept according to your conscience. That's what they teach. They also think, they also teach a lot of other stuff. Can these people save their souls? When they belong to a church that teaches evil, heresy? Some think homosexuality is all right. It's okay. They want to even have homosexual bishops in England. Abomination, abomination. You've lost your faith. You cannot please God. This is serious, my friends. Now you know why people have, have gone off the rails, as it were. They've gone off the rails, right? Now, St. Paul says the same thing in one of the most powerful passages in the scriptures, I think. Romans 1.20. All right? An absolutely incredible passage. All right? And so they are without excuse, seeing that although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give him thanks, but became vain in their reasoning and their senseless mind have been darkened. All right? The punishment for not praising God and honoring God are two punishments there. If you don't praise God, you don't honor God and thank God, two punishments come to you. You become vain in your reasonings, foolish. There's no God, there's no hell, there's only, every church is okay, all that nonsense. All right? Heresy, heresy. All right? Loss of faith. You become vain in your reasoning, and your senseless mind is darkening. Romans 1.20. But became vain in their reasoning, and their senseless minds have been darkened. And then we always know the axiom, idolatry, I should say, idolatry leads to adultery. One of our prime theologians used to always say that, and he bases on this next passage I'm going to. So when you fall, you fall into idolatry, and you worship money, or you worship sex, or you worship this, or you worship that, all right, idolatry in all its forms, or you worship some statue, or you some, you know, some other thing, you will fall into sins of the flesh. So all those pagans who worship idols, idolatry will always lead to adultery in all its forms. Sins of the flesh. St. Paul goes on, Romans 1.20 and following, Romans 1.24. 
Therefore God has given them up in the lustful desires of their heart to uncleanness so that they dishonor their own bodies among themselves. They who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served a creature rather than creator. So they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So therefore God has given them up to the lustful desires of their heart to uncleanness so that they dishonor their own bodies among themselves. And I don't have the rest of it, but the rest of it is condemnation of homosexuality. And therefore men do shameless things with men. And women exchange that which is natural for that which is unnatural. He goes on to talk about homosexuality. Homosexuality is, is caused by a loss of faith, a loss of prayer. So when people tell you that, at least in my opinion, that this is genetic, that we know that psychologists say it's not genetic. I know many homosexuals, I shouldn't say many, I know a few, who have repented and lived chaste lives, but there are many who have repented. And they're so grateful they're delivered from sin, the slave of sin. The devil is smart with homosexuality. He knows, he knows when he gets them in that sin that they are down in a cesspool, my friends. And don't let anybody tell you, like a lady told me in my Catholic school when I was teaching there, she who had seven children, and I cannot believe that she taught religion, that she was telling me about a friend who had a homosexual relationship, and it was a loving, caring relationship, and she thought it was wonderful. And I says, oh my God, goodness, are you kidding? I said, are you kidding me? And she was, she was a lovely woman. You could not get a better woman with seven children and a lovely devoted husband and taught religion in a Catholic school and she believed that. First of all, from, from what we see and experience, one such German psychiatrist talked about those who, who have loving relationships with one man have about 125 liaisons a year, all right? Those who don't have a loving relationship and are just homosexuals, they average about 75. So they're even more promiscuous than somebody who doesn't have any one paramour, okay? It is diabolical, this homosexuality. It's right from hell. It's always been condemned. Jesus condemned Sodom and Gomorrah, right? What do you do today? And it's been around for a long time. It is now running wild in the world. People are falling over their, themselves Catering to the homosexuals. Catering. As we see here with all the, all the people, the chicken filet thing and all that kind of stuff. By the way, I heard that, well, that's another story. I don't think they've stuck with their principles. But we see how mayors of cities want homosexuals. You don't do anything to homosexuals. That's the sacred cow. Don't you ever do say anything about that. That's politically incorrect. That's... That's the mortal sin of political incorrectness. And yet it's diabolical. And we have to say something. And I could be put to jail for that possibly, huh? What can I say? Gotta tell the truth, they're on their way to hell. And it's sad to say, it's in the Catholic Church. There are priests who are ordained homosexuals. And priests who are pushing for homosexual priests. It's diabolical. It's infiltrated the church. This is what St. Pius IX, uh, Paul VI said, the smoke of Satan has entered the church and we have to do penance, as it were, and pray. This is why God allowed the scandals. The scandals are, are an abomination to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. The money from the poor people in the pews. What do you think God is going to do to these guys. Said Jeremiah, cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully. Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully. I think it's Jeremiah 331. You can look it up. But it's awful. Now, this is what's going on in our, our church. What do you think God's going to do? How can we go on like this? And people still pushing for it. Still pushing for homosexuals. 
right? You even have religious women who, who, who are pushing for, you know, a little more friendliness to homosexuals. And it's okay, it's fine, it's wonderful. It's a loving relationship. It's not. It's not loving relationship. It's right from hell. St. Paul tells us. And then he goes on and talks about the reprobate sense. And they even have parades and parties for it. They celebrate their gayness, as it were. Right before Katrina, I don't know if you know it, but the homosexuals had a week of decadence down with Katrina, just a few years ago. And they just recently had another hurricane during their second week of decadence. In And what a week of decadence is, anything goes. Go out and do whatever you want. My friends, this is crying to God for vengeance. This is a loss of faith, big time. So when you don't pray, you don't honor God, you will be vain in your reasonings, foolish. Your mind will be darkened. And then God will hand you over to the lustful desires of your heart. Same thing happens to us, not just homosexuals, heterosexuals. If you don't pray and you don't honor God and you don't go to church and you don't receive Holy Communion, you will fall into the lustful desires of your heart. You may not be homosexual, but you're going to fall into sins like adultery, fornication, masturbation, everything. Idolatry, idolatry, not praising God, not honoring God, not praying, will always lead to adultery in all its forms. And that's the plague that's hit our, our world and our country today. Right? They think it's okay. It's not okay. It's diabolical. Right from hell. Right from hell. And we got to say it. So we have to tell people. Else they're going to lose their soul. If you, don't, you know something and you see it and you don't say anything when you can say something. All right? I don't think you have to go to one of their parades and, and stand on a soapbox. All right? wouldn't be a bad idea, but you could probably get killed. <laughs> They'll carry you off. But you have to say something. Pope Leo XIII says, if you see evil and you don't do anything, you will be responsible because you know better. And if I didn't tell you this now, God will say to me, why didn't you tell the people about sin? Oh, I didn't want to hurt anybody. I wanted to be well liked. I said, popularity, is, that's, that's not important, thank God. Thank God the Lord has made me not to worry about popularity. All right? Teaching school for 35 years helped me understand that. All right, with kids who need to be popular. You've got to do the job. Then you'll be popular later on. And these people will thank you later on if you do what you're supposed to do. So just continuing about this whole thing. How many souls are lost because of these sins? Sins of impurity. How many souls? How many souls have lost their soul because of the loss of faith? We cannot doubt what the church teaches. Cannot doubt. No doubt in the real presence. Body and blood, soul and divinity. Jesus Christ is there. If 80% of the people don't go to church on Sunday, they probably don't believe in the Eucharist. They don't believe it's Jesus Christ. Oh, it's just a piece of bread. All right, we even have priests who are doing that. Come to the celebration, the supper, the meal. That's all nonsense. It's not a meal. It's not a celebration. It's a sacrifice. Jesus Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity, died on the cross. Right? So you cannot doubt in the real presence. Also, the people who believe in universalism. They think everybody's going to be saved. Oh, everybody's be saved. One religion's as good as another. And then you have people who say, you don't have to convert. If you're a good Lutheran or a good Jew, just stay the way you are. That's what they call the seamless garment. Everybody's okay. You're all the anonymous Christian. It's all, all jargon that means nothing. They put it in nice flowery language. But get, get below it. What are they really saying? One religion's as good as another. Everybody's saved. You don't have to worry. There's no sin. All right? There's no sin. What did Pius the 10th, 9th, uh, 11th, 13th, 12th say? He said, the sin of our times is there is no sin. And of course, the evil of contraception. 
which I think is the, the elephant in the room. That is the elephant in the room. Right? I didn't know what elephant in the room meant. I'm sure some of you don't know what elephant in the room means. What's he talking about, the elephant in the room? Elephant in the room? Yeah. I was just reading an article, and they were talking about the elephant in the sacristy. <laughs> Same thing. All right? There's an elephant in the room. You know what that is? That means nobody wants... To, if you had an elephant in your living room, and your husband says to you, dear, there's an elephant in the room, and you say, oh, that's, a, that's nothing, no problem. It's okay. He's not bothering anybody. He's an elephant. Look how big he is. He's monstrous. If he moves around, he's going to crush the house. He's going to take a few steps, wear his trunk, and next thing you know, we'll be out in the open air. Oh, dear, that's, not, that's nothing to worry about. He's a friendly elephant. He's a good guy. He's a nice person. <laughs> the elephant in the room is an evil that nobody wants to acknowledge. The evil of evils of our time is contraception. The evil of evils, in my opinion. Some people, there's other evils too, of course. Homosexual is coming right behind it. But contraception, people not accepting the children that God wants to give them. St. John Vianney, in the 19th century, talked to a woman who was getting old and she was pregnant and she, was, she, she, she didn't want to have, you know, she was worried about it and everything else. She, not that she was looking for an abortion or anything, but she says, my dear, be thankful. If God didn't want you to have the child, you wouldn't have it. And he said, there are many women in hell, and I'd add men, he said women, there are many women in hell, parenthesis, men too, maybe more, who did not accept the children that God wanted to give them. They did not have the children that God wanted to give them. So it's a very big sin. I think it's a sin of our times. You just look at it. If we didn't buy into contraception in the 60s, 40 years ago, and the families had the children that God wanted them to have. My mother and father were born of 13 and 14 children, respectively, back in the early part of the 19th century, a 20th century, right before 1917. My mother was just a little girl, and her father and mother had 13 children. My father and mother, my father's mother and father had 14 children. There was no contraception in those days, no abortion. And yet Our Lady complained about sin, but that's neither here nor there. But this is the sin. If we had those children 40 years ago that we should have had, they would have been having children now, and we, our, our Catholic pop population would probably be doubled, our schools would be filled, our seminaries would be filled, our churches would be filled. Maybe the reason why we have the empty pews now is for all those people who would now be 30, 40 years of age, 20, they're not, they don't exist anymore. They were not conceived. Then, of course, then you add to those who were used when they used the abortifacients, and those who were aborted after they were conceived with the abortifacient pill because they couldn't cling to the, uter the uterine wall. Right? I did a little study with this, trying to mathematically, and it's about one out of maybe five or six or eight, one out of eight children that could be born that are born between the surgical abortions, two million a year, the chemical abortions, you know, how many of them with abortifacients, and then of course those that are not even conceived because the children, the parents don't let the, they don't, they don't conceive, they're not, you know, fertilized. So it's maybe one out of 10, one out of 10 children possibly gets through as it were and gets born. It's, it's diabolical. And yet if we had opened ourselves to life and we had the children and people say, say well, we're not, we're not rabbits, you know. We're not rabbits, you know. One priest said that to somebody. We're not rabbits, you know. You've got to have some sense. You can't have all those kids. We're not rabbits. Right? My mother and father did all right. All right. And it's wonderful to see big families. If God blesses you with a big family, St. Therese's mother and father had nine children. My, our founder, Father Stefano, was one of 21 children. His father married Lysia Manelli. She was 19. He was 40. All right, that's the way to do it, of course. 
get a marry a younger woman because then she can prepare more children. But that's all right. That's neither here nor there because you don't do that. But Padre Pio put them together. Padre Pio. I'm sure he had something to do with that marriage. And 21 children. Now they're both of them are up for servants of God. Lucia and Sotimio Manelli. One of their sons had nine children. Seven of those sons are with the, and daughters are with the Franciscan friars in Immaculate. There's two who are not with us that just, you know, probably get married, which is all good, of course. So if we had done this, where would, our, you know, where would our world be? Where would we be? We'd be in certainly, you know, a different world. There'd be a Catholic world with many Catholics, churches filled. Milwaukee just closed a hundred churches. We wouldn't be closing churches, a hundred churches in the city of Milwaukee. It's a sin, it's a terrible thing. I'm not saying the bishop is wrong to do it, but why is he closing? Because we don't have the Catholics. They weren't born and they're not going to church. We're in a desperate, desperate struggle, my friends. I hope to, I don't want to make you depressed, but God has allowed it. And Catechism 3.11 says, God is so good and so powerful and so merciful and so kind. No matter what man does, no matter what evil man does, God will bring good out of it. Right? So I've just depressed you a lot about all this stuff. God allowed it for whatever reason. Man wanted to do it. God allowed it. God will bring good out of it. Right? God will bring good out of it because he is all-powerful and he can bring, he alone can bring good out of evil. And he always does. Hopefully all these people will repent and maybe some way God will allow those children who were aborted, all right, to enjoy the beatific vision. And about the children who were not, who were not conceived, that's what I always wonder about. I mean, if parents didn't conceive that child, what about that child? Is that child never going to have existence? That's a mysterious question. Maybe it's the answer is in, to him who has more, to him who has less, shall, it shall be taken away and given to him who has more. Maybe God will give those children to some other people in the world, but of course they won't be the same children because they'll be of different parents. But it's a, I think it's a great mystery. It's all part of the elephant in the room. It's a, it's a monstrous problem. And nobody's facing it. We don't hear about it. And yet people continue to sin. If they believe contraception is all right, they're in mortal sin. They've lost their faith. Because Humane Vitae De Fide document says you must believe right, that all marital acts must be open to life. Must be. Cannot contracept. Pope John the 20, Pope John Paul II said, contraception is so intrinsically evil, it cannot be practiced for any reason whatsoever. Any reason. Even natural family planning, sorry. <clears throat> natural family planning, it's approved and allowed, but, but, you never hear this, but you need a serious reason for doing it. You just can't do it as a form of natural contraception. And if it leads to one sin in the marriage, of course, then you've got to junk it. If the husband or wife can't, can't continue it and they, it causes them to sin in their marriage, what good is it? One mortal sin. One mortal sin can condemn you to hell. What did Blessed Blanche do with Brother St. Louis, her husband? Not husband, her son. She said, I would rather have you dead in my arms than you commit one mortal sin. One mortal sin is... If there was only one mortal sin, that would have caused Jesus to die on the cross. Only one. All right? Of course, there's many more. So we see how sin is the, is the worst of all evils, my dear friends. And I hope that you, you, you got the message today. Mother Teresa says... The fruit of abortion is nuclear war. The fruit of abortion is nuclear war. And we say the fruit of contraception is abortion. And the fruit of abortion is nuclear war. It keeps on going on and on and on. 
So we are in a desperate, desperate struggle. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise because of sin. Sin is the only evil in the world. And a lady told the children at Fatima, war is the consequence of sin. Our sins have caused all kinds of trouble. So when those nice guys tell you I'm not hurting anybody, go through their life, ask them, do you go to church? Do you accept all the children that God wants you to have? Are you married in the church? Are your marriage blessed? See, the sad thing is that if you get married in the church, you get the sacramental graces of marriage, blessings. By not marrying and just living together, you get no blessings, and every time you, do, you have relations, it's a mortal sin, mortal sin. And of course, if you don't have the great sacramental graces, you're gonna commit more mortal sins. Not gonna have the children, you're not gonna educate them, they're not gonna to go to church, and it goes on and on and on. And I thank you for listening, my dear friends. I think I've said everything. Probably forgot something, but uh, the mission is just, your mission is over, the morning mission. We finished the three talks today, okay? If you want to listen to this talk again tomorrow, bring a couple of friends. Hopefully the Lord will inspire me, and I'll say it again, hopefully. Hopefully I'm still around and I don't have laryngitis or something else, or I'll break my leg and I'll be in the hospital. But hopefully I'll be here. If our lady wants me here, I'll be here. And... I thank you for coming. You've inspired me to speak out a little bit more than I normally do. And I thank the Lord that I was given this article from this magazine. I just happened to read it. I don't read the, 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 the magazine too often, but I did read it that day. And then our lady, and I put it away and I, I had to look for it. And I, I said, where is it? Where is it? I can't find it. Where is it? I know, I know. I think Pius tent is on the cover. Let me look for those magazines. And then when I was cleaning out my room to, to come here to, get, to come to America, I found it. I said, oh, thank you, thank you. I don't know if I prayed to St. Anthony, but I always do. Thank you, St. Anthony. Thank you, guardian angel. It is a knockout blow, I think. We don't hear about it. Thomas Aquinas, okay? It's on the, on the I hope this has been on. It's on the tape, you can listen to it again. Copy it down if you want. All right, I can show you where it is if you want to copy it down. It's magnificent. Thank you for listening. I'm already over time, I'm sure. I'm a little wound up today. But you're a good audience, and you, hopefully I gave you my... I gave you my best shot. My best shot. Right. God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he show his face to you and have mercy on you and turn his countenance towards you. May the Lord bless you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. I put my calling card, as it were. So if you want to send anybody to look for me, they can, you can find me up in Griswold, Connecticut, right there. And I'm only teasing, but you can, my email is there too if you want to keep in touch. I do think we have to keep in touch these days because, as I said, all this is going to lead to something. It's going to, it's going to reach a climax. I think, as John Bird, a pretty good analyst of these things said we don't have years anymore we have months and days before the Lord wakes us up. Months and days he said that in May so it's coming I think I've been saying this for 25 years. When's it coming? It's coming now. It's going to be this year, this year this year 2012 could be this year and soon. Who knows? I think this election is crucial Pray for that we get a good president, and then thereafter, who knows what's going to happen. That's why we got to pray. And we got to pray that we don't get that war in, in, the, in the Near East. We're in desperate, desperate struggle. Only God can help us. Our Lady promised us peace. We're going to have that era of peace. If unless we pray, maybe, maybe we've reached the point of no return. It's already too late. The cup is overflowed. It's been overflowing for 50, 60, 100 years. But we can just hope that maybe in the nick of time, we'll have a, a blessing. But either way, just be in the state of grace. And if, as I told you in this thing, that's all that counts. So you die and you go to heaven for all eternity. 
all eternity. God bless you.